0: Welcome again to Christian Thought in Our World. My name is Eric Ramirez, your host. Very glad to be able to join you guys again. I want to welcome our panelist uh, Johnny Navarro. Hope that uh, all of you had a wonderful holiday uh, end of the year and obviously a wonderful New Year. As you know, we had a our last broadcast actually had to do with uh, the Molinism debate and looking at that issue. And prior to that, we had mentioned that we were going to get into the issue of death in the afterlife. But because we felt that it was of much relevance to deal with that particular situation, and it was a good topic for conversation, we decided to go with that. But because also of the fact that we're getting into the end of the year, everybody, of course, getting into the holiday mode, you know, and and uh, a celebration of Christmas, doing all the preparations, taking the time off, we decided to just do a, a little uh, end of the year wrap up uh, message that I that I especially did for those of you who have been uh, faithfully watching us, of which we're very thankful for your support. But I do want to mention that we are today doing episode 17, which will be Death in the Afterlife. And we will be uh, not having our regular panelist, uh, James Allen, because he uh, now has a different situation that has come up with his family and his responsibilities as as we had, uh, had in the past. He had a, a bit of an absence uh, for... A few of the broadcasts because of the fact that he had a child. And of course, this has uh, led now to other situations. So for the moment, he will not be uh, joining us. So at this moment, it will only be myself and Brother Johnny, who will be dealing with this uh, particular topic. The reason we wanted to get into this topic is because it's a very important topic. Because for many people, they we were very keen, obviously, on life, right? We were looking for that eternal life. And We look for towards salvation, and we understand the importance of our salvation, but many times we do not understand that some of the issues that actually have to do with our concept of death, and in particular the resurrection, that it is also an essential part of our theology. And so today we want to basically be able to get into a a good discussion of that. And the first thing that we want to deal with is our first question, which is, what is death according to the Bible? Now, I want to explore the idea of death itself because, as we know, in the secular world, for most people, and in some ways, even in in Christian circles, for a lot of times, people look at death as just being a finality. It's the end of the existence of someone. Someone has just disappeared and gone away. Their body has rotted into the ground, and that's pretty much it. And so, as Christians, we actually shouldn't look at at death in that way. Because Jesus himself addressed this issue with the Sadducees, and it is an important thing that we have to understand because there are also many groups out there who claim to be, quote-unquote, Christians and have actually very different views on this particular topic. And so that's one of the reasons why we want to get into it. And I'd like to go ahead and uh, pick your brain, Brother Johnny, on some of the thoughts you have on this issue and maybe perhaps uh, some of the things that you've heard of what people believe death is.
1: Well, when it comes to the subject of death, it's a, it's a, it's a sad issue. Some people take it very, very emotionally. Uh, I mean, most people do, but other people are very uh, very easygoing about it. Hey, you know, it's just a part of life and, and uh, they don't really care much. Sometimes they feel happy depending on your religious or philosophical tradition. And recently, in, uh, in recent uh, weeks and months, you know, we saw the death of uh, the, the legendary stand-up comedian, Norm MacDonald. Uh, Bob Saget, his good friend, just passed away recently. And uh, we, we know that the, the, the legendary Betty White, uh, who was famous for doing the Golden Girls, uh, she recently passed away. And uh, also the, uh, I forget the name of that, uh, I forget his name. Uh, he he came out on some uh, older movies uh, before I was born. Uh he recently died as well. Uh and in my own family and the extended family there were a couple of relatives who recently just passed away within days of each other. They were a married couple that had died and uh they were professing Christians so I do believe that they they had faith, you know. Uh mm-hmm. the issue when, when it comes to this is that there's a lot of misconceptions. I remember speaking with a relative of mine when I was a boy, when I was younger, uh, and uh, I, I said I, we were talking about reincarnation, and uh, I said to her, well, the Bible contradicts it. And she says, well, where does this contradict that? I said, in Hebrews 9.27, it says, it is appointed for men to die once, and then comes judgment. And she said, oh. And the interesting thing about that is that people don't know how uh, these questions come up. You go to funerals and people are asking questions like, what do you think happens? Do you think she went to heaven? Do you went to hell? What about purgatory? What about all these different kinds of things? But it really boils down to what does the Bible have to say about this? And so when, when you look at the fall in Genesis chapter 3, uh, God had warned Adam and Eve. Uh, he said, uh, the day that you eat of this fruit, you shall surely die. And so, and there's been there have been different interpretations as to what he meant by the day that you eat of it uh, or what he meant by death. And I have my own particular interpretation and we can explore that a little bit more. But the the point that the Bible makes is that death from the biblical Judeo-Christian tradition means the death of the body, the separation of the inner man This is the immaterial aspect of man, which we refer to as the spirit or the soul. Uh, Some people believe it's the soul and the spirit are two different things. I do not. But what they're saying is that what we're saying is that that inner immaterial aspect of us that that lives in this tent, as Peter refers to it, uh, basically departs from the body and goes elsewhere. That's what death means, and. uh, we we have and usually we measure it by biological functions when when a person is is uh when a doctor declares that someone is dead what they mean is that the body is no longer behaving biologically as a living organism anymore it's now declared dead but theologically speaking a person's not actually dead until the spirit or soul have departed from the body and that's something that we can more or less determine, you know, if someone gets their head cut off, their body's no longer functioning and it's safe to say that their spirit has departed their body. Uh, and so that's what we mean by the subject of death. And uh, so that's what's important.
0: Yes, and it's, it's, I find it interesting that you make, I mean, you make a particular point, which is that there's a lot of people who, you know, confess being believers and that they believe in the Bible. And yet, isn't it interesting how they're willing to look at what's outside the Bible to look at how to determine, uh, you know, what is, uh, what is death or the afterlife? Because if you're a Christian, I mean, what evidence do you have of something like uh, reincarnation? And re- the reason being that, you know, that when you look at, for instance, Hinduism, right, that's very much involved in, in a cyclical view of life and life is, is basically cycles that are going on. Right. So that's why it's not only that you're coming back, in general, but that you may be coming back as a beetle, you may be come back as a cow, or you might might be coming back as a grasshopper or whatever it is. And obviously we don't see that kind of a concept in the Bible. Another thing too that I find interesting is that when it comes to the issue of uh, death, there's a lot of people out there and even scholars who think that the Old Testament doesn't teach that there's a, that there's this resurrection and that there's this concept of that. But I think that if you really look into the Bible, you can actually see that that's not necessarily true. And I'd like to share a particular uh, scripture from Isaiah, which would be Isaiah 26 19, which reads, Your dead will live, their corpses will rise. You who lie in the dust, awake and shout for joy, for your dew is as the dew of the dawn, and the earth will give birth to the departed spirits. Now, I find this text very interesting because you pointed out a very important factor about this which is that you mentioned about the the spirit the soul leaving the body did you notice how at the end of the verse it actually speaks of the departed spirits Mm -hmm. so that this concept of having so you know for instance there's a lot of people who think that when you die you could still be here you know and uh you have people who do seances or have these concepts of you know, that you can contact the dead because they're still around you. But in reality, what does the Bible actually teach us? It teaches us that no, that actually it departs. Now the question is, where does it go from there? So what I'd like to take a look at next is actually Second Corinthians five eight and the and the statement that Paul makes there. Go ahead, brother. Comment though.
1: Yes. I think that one of the things that people uh miss there and and I it's been pointed out in certain authors is that The very fact that the Bible prohibits necromancy, that's where you're actually, in essence, fraternizing with departed spirits. Why would the Bible forbid something unless the people had a belief that the spirits of the departed continue to exist in another uh, state of uh, existence? So, this shows this proves itself that among the Jewish people, this Practice that exists. Not that we believe, because the Bible is condemning it. This is demonic. Right. Uh, this, this is something that is forbidden in Scripture, because you are you are basically engaging with spiritual forces that uh, we have no business doing. We're supposed to do what God tells us to do. We're not supposed to just be uh, tapping into that spiritual dimension the way that others want to do. But the issue is. That the very fact that there were people that said, I want to talk to the departed spirit of so-and-so means that they had a concept of the afterlife and not the soul sleep doctrine that, that, that a lot of higher critical scholars. Of course, we know that Seventh-day Adventists and Jehovah's Witnesses who got it from the Seventh-day Adventists believe in the idea that when we die, we cease to exist.
0: Got it. Yeah, another concept too that you can see this very clearly is in the ancient religions particularly the religions in mesopotamia where there wasn't of this belief that you cease to be they all had a belief of the afterlife right and so for instance we know that even with the egyptians you know when you look at the mummies the things were buried with them because they believed that these were things that they were going to have in the, in the in the life to come you know and this is a practice that even goes over to chinese culture i don't know if a lot of people uh, know this but it's kind of like a, i think there was a I'm not, i I didn't. I, I remember watching the first film. I don't. I haven't watched the other films, but I do remember that I think in the second film of the Mummy, you know, with Brendan Fraser, there was one uh, particular uh, a film in which they you, you get this whole uh, army that, that's kind of brought back to life, and the reason why is because this was actually one of the things that some of the emperors would do. They would they would be buried, and not only their wives but their subjects were also buried with them because they believed that they were part of them. And that they were needed in, in in the life to come. And it's a very interesting thing because why would they believe that? You know, I think there's something much more spiritual going on in, in those times that obviously we're not privy to because even, you know, when Moses wrote the, uh, you know, uh, uh, what's called the, uh, the Torah, you know, the five books, this would have been a time, even after the time of Abraham. And we had obviously civilizations before that introducing this concept so that we see actually the Bible as being God, in essence, in essence, clarifying these things. And so what I wanted to make the point about with uh, Paul's statement in uh, 2 Corinthians 5.8 is that he says, yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So that this is also very clear to us that are believers. Where, where do we go, Johnny? Where are we when our body ceases to ceases to have life right in it? Where do we go? I'm asking you the question. Oh, if, yeah, if you'd like to expand on that. Yeah.
1: Yes, sorry. From the, Christ, from the Christian point of view, we believe that if you have faith in Jesus Christ, uh, you put your faith in the God of Abraham and in his Messiah, Jesus Christ, then we believe that your spirit departs his body, our bodies, and then we go into the presence of God. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5 8, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Uh, Or you look at Philippians chapter 1, where Paul says uh, he would rather depart and be with Christ, and he's referring to his death. So this is a plain. Now, of course, one of the things that gets talked about, of course, is the the story of the rich man and Lazarus, which is in Luke chapter 16. Uh, And in in that in particular story, uh, Jesus is actually uh, basically tapping into Uh, a known concept among the Jewish people, like this is documentable fact, it's in the Talmud, it's in the the Second Temple writings of the Jews, that they believe that when a person died, they went to a place called Sheol. Uh, And that in in Greek, uh, I believe the correct pronunciation was Hades, usually we pronounce it Hades uh, in American style. Uh, And so uh, the, the, the Greek word Hades, or the Hebrew word Sheol, referred to the abode of the dead. And sometimes they would refer to the spirits that were in, in Sheol as the shades of Sheol. And so <clears throat> the the idea of Sheol among the Jews, and the concept of a Sheol did exist among the ancient Near East. It wasn't like Judaism it was in a vacuum holding mm-hmm. to some doctrine of the afterlife and no one else. Everyone in the ancient Near East had a concept of the afterlife. And so the Jews had this belief that there was a place called paradise, or the bosom of Abraham, where the saints went to live in peace and bliss and so forth. And then there was a place of torment. I I believe the place was called Tartarus, is how it's referred to in one of Peter's epistles. So there were these two compartments. And so among Christians, historically, There has been the belief that Christians, when they pass away, they go there, unless they're martyrs. Because in Revelation 6, 9, it mentions that the souls of the martyrs were under the altar in heaven. And so there were Christians who believed that the only way you could go to heaven is if you were martyred. But other than that, if you were saved, you went into Hades or or Sheol uh, to go into the place for the rest of the saints. However, we as a, uh, we in, in the modern uh, time, we have come to understand that paradise for Christians today is heaven itself. Because we believe that when Christ inaugurated the New Covenant, established His kingdom, He took captives, a host of captives. Uh, and so when He ascended to heaven, all of the saints who were in Sheol, this is from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 8 through 10, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. He took all of the saints that were in Sheol, paradise and took them into heaven. And so now Sheol or Hades, uh, this is the abode for those who are basically not saved. That, that would be the modern... For the condemned, so to speak. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah, and I, and I think that one of the things that uh, is, is very interesting too is that, you know, uh, for those people who think, you know, this is, this is it, you know, and uh, this is the end. And, and I think there's uh, certain appeals that are made to uh, certain scriptures in uh, Ecclesiastes. And uh, I actually didn't get a chance to uh, get to those. And I wish I would have been able to use those as examples. But where it seems like as if Solomon is writing, you know, that this is it. You know, your body goes into the ground, and that's pretty much it. But obviously, we have to look at the perspective from which that was being written because it's very different, right? There's a different different tone and a different way of speaking in which Solomon had in the Proverbs and what he had, you know, in Ecclesiastes. I was recently speaking with a brother, and that's one of the things that he was saying, you know, that when obviously Solomon started out, he started out as a very spiritual, very spiritual man, you know, and, and was obviously blessed with great wisdom by the Lord. And it seems that, that it's very positive uh, factor of, of, these, of spiritual truth is given to us in the Proverbs. But when you get to the Ecclesiastes, it seems, he seems to have a much more earthly view. And so he seems to be more cynical in his speak, but he's basically speaking from the perspective of the human perspective, right? That's why he says, you know, vanity of vanity, you know, all is vanity. Well, if you're a Christian, I mean, is that really how we are to look at life? All is just vain? It's meaningless? No. On the contrary, because we are Christians, because there is a God, life is actually filled with meaning, right? But he's giving from the perspective of man. And so when he makes these statements, there's a certain context to it. But I really like the uh, passage in John 11:26, 26, where Jesus is addressing this issue. And he says... And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? He asks. Now, isn't it interesting that he says that they will not die? Now, the same scripture tells us, as you mentioned in the book of Hebrews, that it is appointed once for what? For man to die, right? So the question we have to be asking here is, what did Jesus mean by that? You know, that we will, that we will not die. And that what that shows is that there's a greater nuance to the concept of death, and so I think that's a good uh, i don't know if you have anything else you'd like to comment on that particular issue, Johnny, or if we can go on to the uh, second question uh,
1: yeah i mean the, the for example uh, uh, the, um, the book of Ecclesiastes I actually would like to refer to it as a god's love letter to atheists or to secular <laughs> supernatural uh, deny the supernatural i mean because right what One of the phrases that's repeated repeatedly in the book of Ecclesiastes is uh, under the sun. And so what he's saying is that there's nothing new under the sun. People live, people die, people get healthy, people are poor, people are healthy, people are sick. There's nothing new under the sun. There's evil, there's good. If you have the person who lives uh, the healthiest and richest life, with you know he has this this person has their family has their kids everyone's healthy and wealthy and then they die and then you have this other person who doesn't have health doesn't have wealth they they are completely impoverished and miserable a thousand years from now those people if anything might be a memory because they will be dust and that and that's the point at the end of the day it does not matter who, who they are or how they lived, uh, because at the end of the day, we're all just dust. We're all just particles, and you know, just things that 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 exist for no ra- for no reason. It's all randomness. With Christianity, we have purpose. We are created for a purpose. And then when we look at the atrocities of history, when you look at the Hitlers of the of the that the earth has produced. Those individuals will be held accountable on what we call the day of judgment. So you, you—that means that one day these evil individuals will be resurrected from the dead, and I, we'll talk about the resurrection in a future show. Uh, they will be judged for that. But I mean, one of the things that 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 has helped me in my own life because I once had to experience uh, looking at my own mortality. And it says in Ecclesiastes, eight. 8 no man has the power over the wind to contain it, so no one has the power over the day of his death. So we don't know when we die. And as I said before, when I talked about, when I talked about the death of some of these celebrities, uh, who were very beloved, and I was a fan of many of them, uh, and when I look at the relatives, you know, I I was there the day that my stepfather died, and I was very close to him. Uh, Brother, uh, Brother Eric, you knew him as well. And so... Uh, I was there when he passed away, and it was a very painful experience. He was a professing Christian, and uh, I believe he is in heaven now, and so he's no longer in pain. Uh, but but the, issue, but the issue that we have to focus on is, what, what can we control? And the one thing we can't control, that it's not within our domain, is the day that we're going to die. The only thing that is within our dominion or in our jurisdiction, as it is given to us by God, is how we're going to live between the day we're born and before we die. That's the one thing that's within our domain, within the divine providence of God.
0: Yes, that's yeah. I think that's a very sobering, very sobering point, you know, regarding the issue because there's obviously, and it's very important that we understand the context of things, right? Because we can sometimes uh, there are statements in the Bible. That sound like they 're saying one thing, and then you hear another statement in another in another area, and it sounds like they 're contradicting, but it 's because it 's being spoken of from a different perspective and I like that you uh, brought that clarification so kind of getting into now into the next uh, area of, uh, of our discussion regarding the uh, the nature of death and the afterlife, uh, the second question that uh, we wanted to deal with is how did Adam and Eve in, excuse me how did Adam and Eve die at the fall and this is obviously something that you and I have uh, uh, had good discussions with, right? Because especially in, in the context of studying, uh, uh, preterism or, or full preterism or pantalism, whatever you want to call it, you know, uh, the issue does come up of those who believe, for instance, that Christ has come, the resurrection has already occurred, right? And so obviously that is, that is a problem. Because when you look at, you know, Genesis, when it spoke of death, then what did that mean? And I remember uh, actually, uh, it's too bad James isn't here, but you know, we were involved in a, or he was actually involved in a conversation in which uh, two individuals were basically having a discussion on what what was the nature of the death that was being spoken of in Genesis. One was saying, this is referring to the physical death that was to come. And then the other one was saying, no, 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 it was actually spiritual. It, it was it was a spiritual thing that happened. And so in addressing that, Brother, uh, Brother Johnny, you had mentioned earlier that you actually had a concept regarding this. I don't know if you'd like to maybe take some time right now to kind of unwrap that and let us know uh, what your view is regarding this particular issue uh, and what you believe regarding what Genesis says regarding uh, the death. Uh,
1: Yeah, Uh, I'll try to be brief. Uh, Obviously, among Christians, the the prevailing view uh, among evangelicals, particularly among fundamentalists, obviously that's not the same thing as talking about the scholarly community, that we're talking about the Hebrew scholars, and the Greek scholars, the New Testament and Old Testament scholars. Uh, the issue here has to do with what condition was Adam's body in prior to the fall, and this gets into some of the arguments that are had between young earth creationists, like yourself or, or brother James Aleman, and, and old earth creationists such as like the Hugh Rosses, the Joshua McDowells, the Bill Craigs, and so on and so forth, whereas I'm actually neutral on this issue. but uh, our theological positions are kind of have to define how we understand the subject of what happened during the fall. And of course, I, I gave a, a Sunday school on the subject of, of what happens at the fall based on the catechism. and But I didn't cover this particular issue of, of, of Adam's uh, condition prior to the fall. But basically the idea is that a lot of Christians believe that Adam was in an immortal body, perhaps even a spiritual body. Uh, and that when he fell, the body became a mortal body, and now he was able but but then the question becomes well what did jesus what did God mean when he said, "The day that you eat of this, you shall surely die and there are commentaries that give different interpretations uh, as to what that passage means. My personal opinion is that it's, when it says "The day you eat of it, you shall surely die." I think that it means what it says it means that on the day that they ate the fruit, they did die on that day. Some would say that this means that the day, on the day they eat of it their death would be certain. I don't agree with that interpretation I don't think that, that I think that it probably would have been worded differently though I'm not a Hebrew scholar, so I'll, I'll leave that to the scholars. My personal opinion is that it is spiritual death that Adam experienced at the fall now that spiritual death according to the fall it says from dust you came and to dust you will return so we know that physical death is a part of the curse of the spiritual death so from spiritual death comes physical death but the question is is the physical death the result of the the spiritual death in that it be he became mortal or is there another theory and the theory here has to do with ancient Judaism. In other words, the rabbis believed that when Adam was in the Garden of Eden, he had access to the Tree of Life, which is mentioned in the book of Genesis. And it says that he was able to eat of the Tree of Life. In fact, he was able to eat of all of the trees except for the Tree of the Knowledge of Good and Evil. But when he ate of the Tree of the Knowledge of Good and Evil, breaking the covenant that God had made with Adam and Eve, they were then... Uh, they were then kicked out of the garden or paradise and they were take the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was removed from them. So the theory is, is that the reason why Adam and Eve would not have died had they not eaten the fruit is because they would have had access to the tree of life. And by feeding on the tree of life, they would have been able to live forever. That was the theory that was believed by the ancient Jews. And I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, number one is... If it didn't, then why was it there in the first place? Why would God put a tree there called the tree of life that wouldn't affect them in any way other than maybe eating a tasty morsel? Uh, and then when they eat of the tree of the, the knowledge of good and evil, why would he take it away from them if God could have restored their immortality by having them eat the tree? So <clears throat> that's one of the issues. The other issue is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, when Paul describes the mortal body versus the immortal body he describes that man has a mortal body because of adam by creation he doesn't say he has a mortal body by adam by the fall it says that he has the body by creation it says that the first man was made earthy and the and the earthy is contrasted to the immortal the natural from the spiritual the corruptible to the incorruptible. And so <clears throat> I think that the Jews had a point, and even the, the late Dr. Robert Morey, he also held the view, and there are, there are other systematic theologies that you will find, where they say that Adam and Eve were physically mortal prior to the Fall, but that after they partook of the fruit of the, the, fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, they lost access to that immortality which they would have had through the Tree of Life.
0: Very good. And uh, the point that I would make wa- would be this: that when we define the particulars of spiritual and physical death, we have to examine what that means. Right now, I agree with you that, for instance, because one of the one of the big problems that people have is that if you notice a lot of times, and this is for instance, Eastern religions, this is very much true. Where the idea, or even with the Gnostics, you know, the idea was, it's not the earthly, you know, it's not the creaturely things that is you; it's that inner soul, that spirit, that's what's you, you know, and in the, in the Gnostic view, obviously it was to escape reality, right? To escape this uh this reality and get back into the uh, elemental uh, spiritual uh, view, which in some ways is kind of interesting because I know someone like Ben Shapiro, who is a, is an Orthodox Jew, surprisingly believes something very similar to that. He doesn't believe that we're going to be coming back. We're actually just become, you know, part of the earth. We're just this energy that's, that's there. But I think that that's in disagreement with, as you said, with the narrative that we're seeing in Genesis. And one of the things that I wanna look at is how the Bible describes the way man was made. And so when you look at Genesis 2.17, it says, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So we know that, that, that death would come, right? And so as I agree with you that it, I don't believe that the body was made Immortal. I don't believe that they were made to be immortal in the same way, for instance, that we will be when we receive our bodies in the resurrection. I think that the, the creation that God made is very different from what will be in the new heavens and the new earth. And, uh, and in uh, Genesis 2-7, notice what it says here. It says, then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the, from, the, from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. So it wasn't just a fleshly thing. The flesh had to have a spiritual element to it. So that to me, when I look at what happened in the fall, it has to be both. But obviously, the, the, what definitely happened that day, spiritual death, it has a, a particular meaning. What is spiritual death, brother? Separation from God. It's separation from God. Did that not occur
1: with Adam and Eve? Point to the verse very quickly. Sure. It, it, right here, this is in First Corinthians chapter fifteen, verse forty-five and following. So also it is written: the first man Adam became a living soul; the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man is from the earth, earthy; the second man is from heaven. And is the earthy, so also are those who are earthy. As and as is the heavenly, so also are those who are heavenly. Just as we have been born the image of the earthy, we will also bear the image of the heavenly. And so th- the issue that I've made is that the, that because we bear the image of the earthy by Adam by creation, because the earthy, the natural, is first, then comes the heavenly. The the position that is held by by. By the standard evangelical or fundamentalist view, is that we would have had heavenly bodies prior to the fall, and then became earthy, natural, mortal bodies, and then we go back to having the spiritual world. But according to 1 Corinthians 15, it seems to be indicating that we had earthly, mortal bodies prior.
0: Yes, yes, because I agree, because I do think that there's a difference in the creation, and I think that that can be seen even in the way God, uh, for instance, works out in the covenants. Can we say that the Old Covenant is the same as the New Covenant? If that were so, why would the Book of Hebrews actually refer to the New Covenant as a better covenant? There's a difference in the nature. There has to be a difference in the nature. And there seems to be something that I see people making a little bit of a fallacy, which is a fallacy which, in a different context, I know uh, James White refers to ultimate, uh, 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 he calls it ultimate uh, equivalency. I I, I can't remember the term that he uses, but that because one thing is one way, it necessarily has to be the same way in the other. So, and I think that I disagree with that. I think that God created this world to be in a a certain nature and way of being. And for instance, uh, going back to the whole concept of, we understand that spiritually, Adam and Eve died. They were separated from God. And as a matter of fact, that's what happens to us, right? Because of the fall, we are dead in our sins. That's what the scripture says, right? That we are dead in our sins. But the interesting thing is that I think that death also there has to be referring to the physical because when you look at the result of what happened, what happened to the, to, you know, what happened not only to the body, but what happened to the creation, the creation itself fell into the same judgment. Now is the creation spiritual? No. Right. But yet it fell into what we will now call, you know, the, uh, is it the law of entropy where everything's winding down? As a matter of fact, that's one of the ways that we know that the, uh, that science is actually in agreement with with the, with the Bible, right? Because things actually are not necessarily uh, living up to be uh, uh, ever living, right? But they actually that there's a but there's actually a beginning and an end. And the reason why I think that God made this world the way that He did is to, in essence, have an end. Because obviously, in His divine plan, you know this 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 fits uh, uh, His greater work. And obviously, the nature of the world that is to come and the nature of the people that we will be will be very different. And so. I think that that's one of the things that has to be uh, strongly considered, particularly also when we look at the concept of, of uh, such as in the book of Revelation, when it speaks about the resurrection, it speaks about the first resurrection and the second resurrection. If you notice in the first resurrection, it seems to be an indication speaking about actually the spiritual condition, right? Because it says that those who receive the the first resurrection, right, that they are particulars of what? Of the second resurrection. But those who don't get that first resurrection they don't even have the ability to get into the second resurrection. Why? Because the first thing that that uh, that we see is that we have to have that reconnection with God, and it's that reconnection that that God that uh, Jesus brings, which then allows us to obviously receive the ultimate uh, salvation. And I say this in the sense that obviously we uh, there's different facets to salvation, but one of them is that we have to be saved from this damnable body, right, from this body of, of death that Paul refers to, so that the resurrection is actually
1: go ahead say second resurrection are you talking about the uh, the resurrection to eternal life
0: yes i'm talking about the way it refers to it in the book of revelation where it speaks about you know so um i'm unfortunately i, I uh I, because you know uh we we were going to have a third panelist i i didn't i didn't uh, get into this particular uh, verses but uh we, we could look into that if it's uh, if it's important enough and anybody mm. has a question but but i do but yeah but in the book of revelation it seems to me that it does describe uh, two different, two different resurrections. And it seems to mean that the first one has to do with the spiritual resurrection. And the second one has to do with, with the uh, physical resurrection in which Christ comes, you know, and obviously those who don't receive the, uh, the, the resurrection to life, I mean, right. Obviously, and obviously in the sense that we, we do know that according to Daniel, that everyone will ultimately be uh, physically resurrected, right. It says some to, to, uh, to everlasting glory, and then some to to everlasting shame. But what is what is the second death? How how do we look at the second death? What is your understanding of the second death?
1: Well, the second death uh, would would be basically uh, eternal damnation, because in Revelation chapter twenty, it says mm-hmm. that death and Sheol or Hades are thrown into the lake of fire, and this is this is the final destination for all those who are not in Christ.
0: Right. So, it's, uh, so it's, the ultimate, uh, it's the ultimate separation, not necessarily from the body, right? And not necessarily a, a, of the soul, but it's actually...
1: I'm sorry? I said you go in there with your body.
0: Correct. That's my point. My point being that a lot of times people think like, oh, you know, it has to do with, with uh, you know, death is you going on into this torment, the spiritual torment. No, there's a physical element to it because we're all coming back in our bodies, right? So the question is, what will, uh, I guess, to what eternity... You you will be in that body, right? But the the idea being that those who are condemned, they have no place in the in the uh, in the land to come, right? So that you know this 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 uh, plentiful land that that obviously is used, I think, in, in, as an analogy in the Old Testament, speaking of that of heaven, you know, of the, of the new heavens and the new earth, and that uh and that and so that we see that there's actually uh, two different two different dynamics going on. I think that's what we're seeing in in the fall in Genesis three, where there's an element. There's a spiritual element and there's a physical element, but I think that the spiritual is immediate, while the uh, the physical is something that obviously is is a process because we don't we don't uh we're not born we're not born stillborn right we we live and then we we eventually die. But um, so that's why I say that you know I think that there is a aspect to to death in Genesis that has to do with spiritual and physical death because we see it even. In the uh, in the creation, because Romans eight tells us that the creation itself is looking for its redemption from it. Anything that you would like to add to the uh, uh, to the nature of, of death or uh, in in the fall?
1: Uh, yes. I mean, just to briefly uh, just to briefly make one observation is because what you'll find among certain groups such as Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, Seventh Day Adventists, and others. Is that Sheol uh, refers to the grave, and that it's the final rest, because we we basically are souls. In other words, our body, uh, our body and our soul. That's what we. In other words, when the when this body is alive, we are a soul. Not that we, our soul leaves our body, but that we are the soul uh, when God creates us. And uh, and they they have some verses that they go to where it says that the soul descendants shall die from Ezekiel. And uh, so they'll, they'll attempt to define the soul as us, the whole being of man is a soul. Whereas they ignore the fact that there are many passages, and I would invite any Jehovah's Witnesses, Seventh-day Adventists, just, just look in a concordance, or just go on Google, you could just put the word soul in the Bible, and you'll find verses where man is described as a soul, but you'll also find verses in the Bible where it says that the soul is within man, and so it can be used in either one of those senses. But in, in particular, you you find a, a verse that is in uh, Matthew chapter ten, verse twenty-eight, and in Matthew chapter ten, verse twenty-eight, uh, Jesus actually says, "Do not fear the, do not fear he." Uh, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell and the and the idea there for hell of course is is uh, it's referring to gehenna which I would understand as the the lake of fire that final pla- place of uh, torment and so a lot of people tend to ignore this and and you have these other verses like I mentioned earlier Revelation 6-9 where it says that the souls, these are dead people. They're not alive. They're not in their bodies. And this it says that they're under the altar and they're praying to God, when will you avenge us and all of that. So these are living individuals or living in the sense that they're conscious and they're praying. Their souls, they're in heaven under the altar, but they have already been killed. So they're departed spirit. So that's what we're saying death is separation between the spirit or soul and the body. And I just wanted to underline that.
0: Okay. No, thank you. It's good to, like we said, you know, we have to make distinctions and context is very, very important because the Bible does speak of things in in, in very different senses. And, and actually, the uh, we're going to be getting into now the third question. The third question is still in relation to the concept of death. And that would be, uh, are the departed faithful no longer alive? Are their souls asleep, right? And that's the whole idea, right? Which is, do we just cease to be, you know, until we're called back to our bodies, and then all of a sudden, you know, our souls are back, or are we still very much, in essence, alive? Are we conscious beings? It does it does for me beg the question. For instance, if someone believes that, how would you explain something like, for instance, in the uh, the vision that, uh, well. I call it a vision, but obviously he he uh, he he experienced it. You know where Peter saw uh, Jesus speaking to Moses and Elijah, right? Mm-hmm. If these were people that were just asleep, they're not in their bodies, clearly, right? Because it's not the resurrection, but yet they were perceived and they were there. Mm-hmm. How would that have been, right? If indeed you know this this concept is there, and so one of the things that that I want to look at is uh is basically uh what what is uh, told to us in Mark twelve. Uh, verses 26 and 27. And it says, "As And as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the bush, how God spoke to him, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are quite wrong. Now, we know that the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. And they did not believe in the afterlife. And what is Jesus doing here? He's actually give them a very, giving them a very strong rebuke. He actually says that they're, in essence, mistaken or ignorant you know, of the scriptures regarding this issue. And it's kind of interesting that uh, you actually, I, I have you to thank for this, Johnny. But it's kind of interesting that he's actually using, because one of the, one of the things that, that we, we hear is that the Sadducees were very much dedicated to the Torah. They, that's what they very much accepted as scripture. And so it's interesting that, you know, obviously you have passages in Daniel, we mentioned Isaiah, where very clear passages are there regarding the resurrection. But yet here Jesus is using a passage from the Torah to speak about how these individuals were actually still living, you know. So it really begs the question, in my opinion, to the nature of this concept of not being alive or that there's this uh, concept of soul sleep. Another uh another text that I think is very good at, at this situation is uh, looking at Matthew nine twenty four. because in Matthew 9, 24, we have, you know, the situation where Jesus goes to heal this girl, right? She's dead, right? And the people are wailing because she died. And it says, he said, go away. The girl is not dead, but is sleeping. And they laughed at him. Right. And so here, I think that here's a good, a good example of where some people will say, well, but look what it's saying here. Isn't the text saying there that, She is sleeping, right? Doesn't that that imply that she was not alive, you know? But I think the reason why clearly in the context, Jesus is not speaking of that is because where where was her soul? Where would her soul have been at that time? It would have probably still been in the body, right? And that's why he said she's sleeping. Why? Because his intent was on what? waking her, rise, rising her from, from the dead, right? But, but we have, you know, but if, the, if this was the case, this would actually be contradicted by the fact that what Jesus told the, the Sadducees, it would make no sense. So clearly, we see here that there's a different perspective in which this is uh, speaking of. And as a matter of fact, when you look at the concept uh, or the passage in Daniel twelve two, right, which is about, very clearly about the resurrection, look what it says. It says, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt, so that we see that even though we have these individuals that are very much going to rise right and come back, it, it refers to them even in the Old Testament as sleeping. But the question is, does that mean that they were not conscious? Were they not conscious being? And this is where we get into again, where, or we could have a discussion about the whole concept of Abraham's bosom. And how that came about. And uh, one of the things that I found very interesting is that, you know, when you think about Abraham's bosom, it seems to be, uh, from what I understand, more of an intertestamental thing, right? That's, that's uh, where, where this kind of developed. But we see already inklings of this very early on, even in the Bible. Because when you see when, when it speaks about some of the uh, Old Testament uh, patriarchs, when it speaks of their death, it says that they were gathered to their people, Right. And now there are those who say, well, that's just a way of referring to people, in essence, you know, the family coming together and burying the, the, the loved one and, you know, putting, putting them to rest. But there are actually certain passages where it actually says that particular thing, and then it goes on to say that, uh, that they went on and buried or, or or I don't remember if it's or I think it's the other way around, where it, it speaks of the burial and then says about about them being gathered to their people. So that it seems to me that even in the Old Testament there was very much a concept which I actually think goes back to Genesis three fifteen, with the concept of you know of uh, the seed of the seed of the seed right of the of the, serp- the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman, which uh, which I see as being a concept of the people of God versus the people of we would say, obviously, for those of us in the New Testament, the people of Satan, but, it, you know, but to many Jews, it has to do with the, the children of, of evil, right? And so what happens is that when, I think when, it's, when it speaks of being gathered to the people, I think that you're starting to see a, a concept there about how when you die, you don't just go away. You're, you're actually coming together with those souls that are in a place awaiting basically their, you know, their, their salvation, right? Their, their redemption, you know the the the, uh, the the getting back, the getting back to the body, the 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 world to come, and and I think that that's a concept that's there, and it seems to me that the uh, the concept of, of Abraham's bosom is a, f- a further development of that, because I know that there's also a uh, I'm going here off the top of my head, but there are certain uh, works, Jewish works, that mention that even those Gentiles that are righteous, it says that they will have a place with Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob. You know, so so it shows you that even they understood that whoever is righteous, you just you know, it's not like okay, you have, you're just wherever. It, it had the concept that it, everybody was being in 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 this particular place. You know, which of course we we understand to to be a uh, Hades or Sheol in the Old Testament, but obviously in the in the reality now in Christ, it's a different understanding because we know we know now that that uh, to be with. Uh, to be absent from the body means to be present with the Lord. I don't think the Lord's a present in Hades, right? He's present, he's present in heaven. So that's why we understand that there's a, uh, a difference to that nature. And I, I don't know if there's something you'd like to add to that particular uh, discussion, brother?
1: Yes, and, and of course, for, for those, uh, whoever, whoever is, uh, gets a chance to watch this, uh, the, what we're discussing here is, is not... Usually, there's basically... People talk a lot about eschatology, and eschatology is the study of last things. But there's three kinds of eschatology. Uh, not three views, three kinds. One is where you're talking about the order of last day's events. So that's where you have these prophecy experts giving you charts about how this is a predi- prophecy about this. And, and they talk about the bowls and the trumpets and the tribulations and the mark of the beast and all these other different things. Those are, that's general eschatology. And there are different points of views when it comes to that. Yes. other kind of eschatology is eschatology proper now this this eschatology is non-negotiable this is where you're talking about you know Christ will return one day he is going to consummate his kingdom the op- the the great white throne judgment the resurrection of the dead the eternal state uh, these are non-negotiable that that's that's called eschatology proper these are that that's the sentence. yes this is what unites all Christians in the creeds and the confessions everybody we all agree on that what we're talking about today is called personal or individual eschatology. What we're talking about is what, what happens to us, okay? And so one of the things that we can look at as a boundary is that the Bible says that man is made earthly first. In Zechariah 12.1, God says that he creates the forms, the soul, the spirit of man within him. In other words, we, our origin, our genesis is on earth. We are from the earth we weren't there so when god confronts job and he says where were you when i did fill in the blank the reason why god asked that question is because the answer is job wasn't there we were not there so it's not that we existed in some sort of energy field like uh like is found in eastern mysticism or hinduism or even buddhism or new Ageism or anything else like that we were not there. God was there. He created, and our Genesis, our beginning, is on Earth. And then, what we have are these stages in which we live this life, this earthly life that we're living right now. We Eventually, we're going to die. Now, when you're talking about the intermediate state, this is what we're, we're basically talking about, what happens when we die. Now, one of the passages that, are, that is looked at, and it's, it's a bit of a problem passage for groups like Jehovah's Witnesses and Seventh-day Adventists, and this one here is from uh, Luke chapter 23, verse 43. It says, Jesus answered him, he's talking to the thief on the cross, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, the, the groups like the Jehovah's Witnesses, if you look at their New World Translation, when it says, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. They usually our translations will have a comma at the end of the word truth, and then after that you'll have the phrase, today you will be with me in paradise. So the Jehovah's Witnesses uh, changed the grammar and removed the comma after the word truth, and they put it after the word today. So instead it says, I tell you the truth today, you will be with me in paradise. So in other words, you will be with me in paradise, but I'm telling you that today. The problem is that the phrase... uh, I tell you the truth, or verily I say, it's, usually, it's a construction that Jesus uses very, very frequently in the New Testament, where Jesus will say, I, I, verily, verily I say unto you, he uses that phrase over and over again, and so everyone knows that that is a constructed phrase that Jesus uses in the New Testament. And once you finish the phrase, you put a comma, and then Jesus introduces whatever he's about to announce. And so the, the Jehovah's Witnesses are adding the word comma after the word today, purely to to try and protect a doctrine. The fact is that Jesus is saying, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. So that day when the thief on the cross died, he was with Jesus in paradise. So if if you believe in soul sleep or the idea that when you die that's it, there's nothing more beyond that, then this passage is a problem because Jesus is saying that he would be alive that day in paradise. So uh, we, we need to understand that from a Christian point of view. Now, yes, there were discussions because there are places where the Bible refers to us as being asleep. Even in 1st Thessalonians 4, it says not all will be, I'm sorry, 1st Corinthians fifteen fifty one it says not all will be asleep in the resurrection, but all, will, but all will be changed. Well, because when we die, our physical bodies take the form of someone who's asleep. If you've ever looked inside of a coffin and a person's laying there, People usually traditionally close the person's eyes. Uh, In fact, among the Greeks, what they would do is they would close the eyes of the person that had died and they put coins on their eyes because they believed that those coins would pay the boatman on the way to their judgment. So, in in the ancient world, this was a common belief. Among the Jews, they were simply leaving the body in the burial, preparing it for resurrection at some point. But But they understood that the spirit went to Sheol to, to either a place of paradise or a place of punishment. So among the Jews there were those and they were the Sadducees. These were people who believed that there weren't any spirits. People didn't die and their spirit didn't go anywhere and they didn't believe in the resurrection. And So when Jesus argued with the, the Sadducees, he had to come at them at, from a different angle. Uh, that's why he, does, he doesn't quote from anything outside of the five books of Moses when he argues with the Sadducees. He only quotes from the five books of Moses with them, whereas when he deals with the scribes or the Pharisees, he will quote from the rest of the Old Testament.
0: Yes, and I think that's a that's a, that's actually a good distinction, a very a very good point that you pointed out. And actually, I, I liked what you mentioned about the the situation with the thief on the cross. That's something actually that I did not know and I, and I hadn't examined. So I think that this will definitely be a, a great point to consider to people. Well, we're get, we're running down to kind of the last few minutes, and I want to go ahead and and kind of start wrapping things up and basically understanding that today we basically spoke about the nature of death, right? What we know the Bible speaks about the nature of, of death for man, right? And we also basically uh, dealt with some of the issue with the intravenous state. In other words, where where does this, where is the soul, right? We know that the body goes into the dust, but what happens to us? What happens to us? Were we just, you know, not, not conscious? No, we're still very much conscious beings you know, but uh, so what we want to look at next is basically the concept of the resurrection and the life that is to come. So this is going to be dealing a little bit more with the concept of of the afterlife. And so that's something that we will be looking forward to do in the uh, in the next session. Now, last week, we were supposed to be doing a broadcast, but due to some sicknesses, uh, we were unable to do that. And so we did the broadcast today in order to make up for what we were supposed to do last week. But we want to stay on schedule with the way we were having the The show. So next week we will have actually part two of this discussion, and we will be resuming this. So I want to thank you for joining us today, and we obviously are very uh, thankful for those of you who are following us and are supporting us. And I want to remind you to like, to comment, to share regarding the show. We want to remind you that we're also in audio form, so that you can go on Spotify, on Amazon, you can go on Apple, and. Be able to find the show. I like. I like to point out that on uh, a lot of our phones have the ability to uh, set up podcasts. Go ahead and uh, look up our show on that because we're we're available, and that way you can go ahead and subscribe. And you that way you uh, can keep up with the discussions that we're having. Any uh, any feedback that you have, we'd love for you to be able to go ahead and uh, give to us, so that we would be able to obviously give a better show to you. We want to be able to connect with you as the audience. You know, we want to be. We're here for you guys. You know, this is a show that's not only being done for ourselves. We are definitely being edified in this because in the process of doing this, we're not only sharing the things that we know, but the things that we've come to learn. But we want to be able to really engage with you guys. So we ask you to consider uh, also to follow us on social media. And I'd like to actually throw it over to Johnny if you can give some information on that, Johnny, since you're kind of the expert in that area.
1: Uh, yes. So basically, uh, we do, we are on Facebook. You can look for us, Christian Thought in Our World. If you may be listening to us on there, we are on Twitter, on on YouTube, Christian Thought in Our World. We are also on uh, Twitter at CTWWebcast. We've discussed possibly starting an Instagram, but we'll 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 discuss it and see if that's a viable idea for us. Uh, so if you want to comment, ask questions, uh, I usually run the social media. So. I, I can try to get back to you when I have the time, because we do have regular jobs in addition to this. This is not We don't make any money off of this. So uh, we, you can contact us, and you can give us some show ideas, um, and we, we would love to continue to, to produce good content that is helpful, because our purpose is that there's a lot of Christians that are hungry to know about these kinds of questions, and Death in the Afterlife is one of the most controversial and most talked about questions among Christians, and so we're hoping that these shows that we do on this subject will be helpful so if you want to reach us you can contact us at CTW Webcast on twitter you can fo- follow subscribe to our youtube channel and uh, you can follow us on facebook uh, christian thought in our world and uh, just let us know if you like what we're doing uh, comment subscribe share all of that is helpful if you comment especially that helps us in the algorithm and we'd appreciate the support
0: yes thank you we're very very thankful for for supporting us we want to uh wish you the best we come in your prayers we de- we desire that you pray for us that the Lord would allow this ministry to really uh minister uh not only to you to you guys but even for those who you're able to share with because we were, really, we're hoping to really provide good biblical information that could you know build up our souls and for the lord to use it to his glory having said that it is also part of us building our own personal theology and In light of that, I'd like to say what I usually like to end the show with, which is that theology isn't something that's just for pastors and scholars, but it's actually for someone like you. So keep us in mind. May God bless you, and we will catch you next time.